Amen. Now, not all of us grew up in the South, but how many of, pe- of you love it when someone says to you, oh, bless your heart? <laughs> it's not really a positive thing, is it? I mean, it feels like it should be. Blessings are awesome. Blessings are fantastic. God blessing people. But, you know, usually the giveaway is it, it does, it's not the word. It begins with the sigh. <sighs> you know, and it usually prefaces something negative. Oh, bless his heart. But I just don't think Tommy's going to make it in this world. Or, you know, bless their heart. But they just, they just don't work together. It's, just, it's a way to mask over something that's not very kind, but it makes you think like you're being kind. Like, I don't want to, you know, it's um, up north, I might say, like, no, no, no disrespect, no disrespect, but I hate you. <laughs> but, but it takes away, it takes the language of blessing away from, from possibility and opportunity and turns it into a deficiency. That person is in need of blessings right now. Bless your heart is one of the many ways that the overused language and cliches keep us and blind us from seeing what is going on in the Bible and seeing what God can do in our life. We get so used to these certain phrases that the radical claim of God on our life becomes numb. It takes a step of faith. How do you bless someone? Really bless them. How should you bless someone? My friends, we are continuing our series on first steps, on the first steps of faith in this new year. Two weeks ago, I spoke out the first step of faith is to realize that you are loved by God and that God desires a life for you of total love. Last week, I shared about, uh, about uh, that God wants you to receive the mercy of God to receive community, to receive fellowship in the body of Christ, to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, these first two weeks are about me and about you as individuals. They're about what what St. Augustine would say that standing rectitudo, standing upright, that before the grace of God, we are curvatus, we are turned in on ourselves. Our only focus is on ourselves. We kind of bump into other people like a little... um, go-kart range. Like that's like most of human existence is bumping into everybody because we're just so focused on ourselves and our own needs. And then by grace, we're able to stand upright and see the world as it is and see, see what God is doing in this world. See what grace allows us to stand upright. Today, we're talking about the third step of faith, to bless others in our life. So what should we do once we are standing upright? That is where we get to John chapter 2. That is where we get to a party. What is the point of a party? (laughs) Think about that. So often, like, parties are just like, oh, it's a party. It's a birthday party. It's a graduation party. This is the party. It's the kind of thing to do. What is the point of a party? Why do people go to parties? Most people go to parties for different reasons. I remember in college when some friends took me down to 6th Street for the first time. And I just kept thinking... Why are we parking so far away? <laughs> Why is it so loud? Why is it so expensive? I didn't understand. At different periods in our life, parties look different. When I was 17, it was a very good year. 
When I was 21, it was a very good year. When I was 35, it was a very good year. But throughout the Bible, parties and blessings go hand in hand. Last week we spoke about the story of the prodigal son. It ends in a party, a great feast, a great celebration. It ends in a blessing. Now there's two ways of thinking yourself, of seeing yourself as a blessing. The first way to see yourself as a blessing is because you think you are so awesome. It's like, oh my gosh, all these people, they're going to be blessed by my presence today. (laughs) That's not the good way. (laughs) It's like, when when the energy in the room ends with you, it is not a blessing, it is arrogance. (laughs) The second way to see yourself as a blessing is because God is so awesome. Because God is so awesome. To bless others is a step of faith. To bless others is a step of faith because you believe more in the God who is saving you than you believe in yourself. It is a step of faith because you believe more in God than in who you think you are or who you think you are not. It is a step of faith because you believe more in God than how you feel about your profile picture or your CV or what you, what you had to eat. You believe more in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and that God can use you for good. God offers a life of abundance, but it is not the, light, the abundance of Silicon Valley or Madison Avenue. The abundance of God looks different. The comfort of God looks different than these because the comfort and abundance of God is not based on the abuse of other people hidden, hidden from sight. When we think about the wealthy, the really wealthy, the rich, all the, like, the people, like the Instagram rich, or all the people all over, like flying around, we, we think... Oftentimes, we think about all the things they don't have to do. They don't have to do the dishes. They don't have to clean up their house. They get to just go where they want to, when they want to. And usually, that concerns some kind of serving people in their life. In the Bible, oftentimes, there's talk of servants. But it's usually kind of a kind translation, because in Greek, there wasn't a word for servant. Um, It was the same word for slave. It was doulos. which is actually, if you, if you have a baby and have a doula, it comes from the same word, actually, which is funky. But, um, but that's the true. And so it was someone, someone to cook your meals, someone to, to wash your hands. If you think about like British, um, Victorian, and like the upstairs and the downstairs, and like you have to, don't make eye contact with the wealthy. Always go down. Stay out of sight. And this kind of always hidden from view. That is not the kind of abundant life God offers us. God does not offer an abundant life that means we must abuse other people. God, life with God is filled with joy, but it is not easy living. You still have to do your dishes. You still have to do your laundry, even though you were loved by God. I know you may think like, oh God, I've given you my life. Can't you just take care of the dishes? No. That is not the point. And it takes a great step of faith to not only see yourself as a beloved child of God, but as a blessing for other people. It takes a step of faith to bless other people, to give or share, not for your own benefit. The abundant life God calls us to is not one where we are served, but where we serve. And yet, over and over again, throughout the scriptures, life with God looks like a party. There's a feast. We see in Isaiah 25, This amazing feast where the prophet says, On this mountain the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for all peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, a feast of select foods rich in flavor, 
of well-refined wines. He will swallow up on this mountain the veil that is veiling people, the veil that is keeping us from each other. And he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away the tears from all our eyes. Life with God looks different. And it looks kind of like a party, but not a normal party, not like the Sixth Street party, a party that never gets old. A party where you never have to avoid that talking to that one person over in the corner. A party where you don't have to worry about your job the next day. A party where your kids are really well behaved. I keep on thinking about that. It's going to be amazing, heaven. <laughs> They're just going to listen and just shake hands. It'll be fantastic. But that's like, I, I'm joking, but it's also, it's the joy that's represented. That kind of joy when you're just like, life is full. We see a party at the end of the book of Revelation that's oftentimes can seem a scary book, but it's really filled with songs and parties. When we see a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. It is another wedding feast. We get back to the celebration. We get back to the strange miracle at Cana. We get back to this fact that Jesus turns water into wine. Jesus saves the good wine for last. Jesus offers us a foretaste of life with God, which is celebration undeserving. The steward had run out of wine. He did not prepare well for this party. He did not get a good RSVP list of all the people coming and what they would do. He did not have enough jugs. And yet, even then... You know, he didn't deserve the party. They run out. They had plenty of time to plan. They've probably been planning this wedding for a year. It was a big deal. You, you spend half of your wealth on, on the wedding of your family. So much goes into this. And they did not get the logistics right. And Jesus doesn't say, now, logistically, you should have taken care of this. It is undeserving. It is undeserving. It takes a step of faith, though, to see yourself as a child of God created not for yourself, but to be an instrument of God's love and peace in this world. We covenant with a God who loves us so much that God refuses to let us live our lives for ourselves. Salvation in Christ is a transitive action. It's a transitive verb. You English majors can remember this. We are saved for something. We are not saved full stop. We are saved for something. We are saved for others. We are saved for the glory of God. When Jesus comes to the lake shore and he comes to see Peter and Andrew, he doesn't say, you guys are cool, I'm heading off. He says, lay down your nets and follow me. And I will make you fish for people. You have been fishing for yourselves all your life. Now you're going to offer the food of life to others. To follow God and to blessing others takes a step of faith, but we do not walk alone. If God is calling you to take that step, we are here with you this day. And the Narthex is a wonderful little resource we have called the 33 Ways, which talk about the different ways of discipleship at Berkeley. It's also on, um, on the side of the sanctuary on the heart set on Christ. It talks about the different things that, that go on. We learn to bless others as we learn to ride a bicycle. It's a habit. You don't just wake up one day and you're awesome at, at loving people. You have to build it up. You have to practice with people. And that means sometimes failing. That means sometimes saying the wrong thing and learning 
and building up that habit and practicing. Jesus called his, his followers disciples, which is a Greek word for student. Jesus called the people who followed him students, and students have a lot to learn. Jesus teaches us, and we are trained by doing the things of God. One way to be a blessing to others is through, at this church, is through the Berkeley Work Corner Ministry, which is a ministry that's been going on for a long time, but I think it's still an amazing blessing to so many people. And I'm, I'm really just calling this out for all of you here to have a moment of prayer about this. That there are some people who have been working on the work corner for 20 years. And that is a long and beautiful time, but it is an opportunity for each of us. And I'll tell you what it is. And so at 6 a.m., probably earlier than that, but people are here at 6 a.m. So people are at the church at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. Every Sunday except the third Sunday, there's someone here at the church. And they are making breakfast tacos. About 150, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're basic. Eggs and tortillas, eggs and tortillas and Kool-Aid, and they're taking it down, and they take it down to under the bridge um, downtown and share food and offer food and offer life. And they don't have a, a quiz about, like, do you deserve this food or not? There's not this. And, it's, and they've built up relationships. But honestly, probably there's a lot of places to get food in Austin. People could, could get food. The point is not to give to people exactly what they need, but to offer the abundance of God, to offer the abundance and to continue to offer the abundance of God, to offer a blessing to others, to share in that, even though it means waking up at 5.30 on a day you may not want to wake up at 5.30, even though it means getting in your car when you'd rather just be in your bed. And it's not a giant commitment, maybe once a month, maybe once every other month, but to take the time to be like, I'm going to take this Sunday and offer my time to other people. But that is only one way. There are many ways of blessing others that have, and being Jesus for others that have never been tried before. And maybe only you can do it. But you don't have to do it alone. John Wesley's covenant service began around 1755. But the power of its words are still for us today. Wesley knew that we needed each other to truly follow God. Do you notice how rarely in Scripture does Jesus go just to an individual and then move on? It's almost always to groups of people. Jesus goes and calls groups of people. Jesus goes and calls households together. We are not a bunch of automatons bouncing around, but a people called for a purpose. I heard something amazing recently about draft horses. (laughs) Adam Weber relates how one draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds, but, but two draft horses don't just pull twice as much. They pull three times as much, 24,000 pounds. And if they're really well trained, if they've been working together for a long time, they can almost pull 32,000 pounds of weight. That is why we covenant together, because we can go further together than we can on our own. We can carry more together. We can love more together. We can serve more people together. You are loved by God. You are forgiven of anything that you think may keep you from being loved. You are forgiven for anything that may keep you from thinking you can be a blessing to other people. And you are sent to bless other people wherever they are, at your job, at the supermarket, wherever it is. God wants for you a life of total love. And that means a life of offering love and blessing to others. And that is not a burden. It is a gift. You are not called to be a blessing to grit through your teeth and put on a fake smile. But to remember that you are loved, to come from the source 
that before you have taken a step, God has taken a step towards you and offered you this abundant life. You may bless other people. It may not be with wine. It may be with wine. That's all right. But like I said, this life is not meant to be solitary. The steps of faith are made together, and we have the opportunity to covenant together in order to live out those blessings. That is what we will do in a short while with the covenant prayer. We bless others because God has blessed us. We offer ourselves because God has offered God's self to us. Take a step. Don't stay put. Where, where can you take a step this week? Maybe it is at the work corner. Maybe it is a new expression of church at a Starbucks or a vintage car rally. Take a step and we will take a step with you. Take a step because God has already taken that first step for each of us. Take a step because you are loved by God. And God doesn't desire the minimum for you. God desires for you a life of total love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.